Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon, the Post-Dispatch, joined by Jim Thomas in New York City and our other beat writer, Tom Timmerman, up and Adam in the STL. Uh, well, JT, let's jump right in. A uh, kind of a good and bad story uh, against the Rangers, a very good Rangers team. Uh, the good news, a nice offensive outburst, gave themselves a chance to win. Bad news, they, they just really didn't get all the way into their style of play and certainly their inability to close out the game. Uh, had the chief a little bit uh, frustrated. Yeah, yeah, they sure did. Uh, they, they, uh, uh, as Ryan O'Reilly put it, they were. Uh, he thought they were that since the team was nervous going into the third period, kind of wary of the Rangers' offense. And you know, I, I think sometimes the the Blues almost give the other teams, some of these other teams, like too much credit. Yeah, I, I know the Rangers have some high end talent. You know, three, maybe three, four five really, really good players, but they were 20th in the league in scoring. So, okay, you got Kreider, you got Panarin, you, you, you got some guys, but they were 20th in the league in scoring. I I, I think the thing that really struck me by the Rangers was their defense, their, their stick work, block shots. I think they blocked 23, 25 blue shots. And, and the goaltender, Igor uh, Shersterkin, he was, you know, he was fantastic uh, last night. So, you know, kind of a lesson learned. I mean, the, the intensity was much higher, I thought, a little bit more, as O'Reilly mentioned, kind of a, a playoff-type uh, intensity and, and just one or one or two things, one or two things can get you in a playoff game, like, uh, you know, sending the puck over the glass, as, uh, as uh, uh, Colton Pareko did. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe some, maybe some lessons learned uh, uh, from the Blues. But it was a very good – first two periods for the most part, they did everything that, uh, that Baruby wanted them to do kind of play a grinding style, not, not get into track meet. And, uh, they just couldn't, uh, they just couldn't keep it going for that final period. Yeah. Though it, um, it would have helped if they'd shot more at least in the early on early going, not a lot of shots in the, uh, in the first period there, or at least from the forwards, I think their first, but like four shots on goal were all from defensemen. Um, and that's one thing that keeps coming back shoot the puck and it's and we all have always said that to robert thomas but it kind of sometimes goes to the team at large shoot the puck and um or at least get the puck through get the puck past the defenseman uh and and on goal and um that's that's something and this was a game we were looking at because the schedule has been so soft lately how did they do against a good team and you know it, it, this is reminders that they'll need to keep going forward okay on the plus side it was um Back among the living is one David Perron, a, a familiar topic on the net front and in our chats. And we've spent a lot of time talking about what might happen to David after this season. But what's happened during this season is that he has finally rediscovered his scoring touch. And and, and looking, uh, that line looked very good. Ryan O'Reilly and Brandon Saad and, and David Perron. And so JT, uh, looking for a positive, certainly uh, getting uh, David back on track was was big for the team. Yeah, yeah, three goals in two games for him. And come on now, he, he's got to be with O'Reilly. He just just keep him with O'Reilly. He's just a lost soul without uh, without uh, O'Reilly. So keep him on that line with O'Reilly. Yeah, the, the line the, that line came within uh, uh, another uh, maybe just a couple feet of uh, scoring another goal. Saad had one through uh, Shesterkin heading across the line, and in came Zabanajad to. Uh, to uh, knock it away. So yeah, very good. Also good to see uh, O'Reilly going. 
And, uh, you know, they needed him last night because it was not, it was far from a vintage effort for, for, for the uh, Thomas line, although which never had some good opportunities, but that entire line was minus seven. Uh, Tarasenko seemed like he fanned on about three, four, five shots uh, right in the uh, uh, kind of the slot area or in a, in a good area. And, and it wasn't the best of game, games for Thomas either. But yeah, yeah, it was good, good to see O'Reilly and Perron. And it'd be nice to have those guys down the stretch. And Perron may be the one guy that we, we don't need to tell to shoot more. I mean, he had um, uh, in the Chicago game with 13 shot attempts and uh, he had four last night all on goal. So uh, that's something. And, you know, David Perron is one of these questions because it's, he's not just, you know, what he does for this year. It's what is his future with this team? He's an unrestricted free agent. What kind of deal do the blues go? You know, does, does he get just a one-year deal? Does he get a two-year deal? How is, how do they structure that? And if it's not to his liking, you know, does he look for something somewhere else? So, um, you know, Perron is, you know, while it's obviously important for this year for getting somewhere, this also determines what his future is with this club. And you look at uh, Pavel Buchnevich in his return to Madison Square Garden. Uh, early on, boy, he, he talked about Tom's earlier point about shoot the puck. He had a, I guess it would look like a three on two rush with a pretty good, pretty good leverage on a shot. I mean, he's not likely to score from the right wing, but he is likely to create a rebound from out there, maybe shoot off the pad and uh, see what happens uh, on the backside. Instead, he makes an impossible pass attempt through traffic that gets easily picked off. You know, he's got to keep shooting. And boy, he uh, he got one through his buddy uh, Shesterkin and somehow it just squeezed through and then rolled just wide on that breakaway. It was a good, but a good effort by Pavel. Yeah, we're really good. But yeah, this was one of those, uh, the, uh, the buzzword for these guys is overpass. And, and uh, the chief mentioned it there, you know, maybe not as bad as some games, but they, they did do some overpassing, you know, they ended up with 32 shots on goal, but yeah, early, early on, especially that first 10 minutes of the first period, it just, uh, uh, it, it just wasn't there. You know, this Buchanevich going back to New York just kind of reminds us how good he has been on this team, <clears throat> how important he's been, and how the Blues got him for next to nothing, how they got him for Sammy Blay, and how Armstrong was able to strike. You know, New York had to clear him off to, to make some cap space for other guys. And um, to get him for Sammy Blay, I mean, if you compare those relative, you know, what you're going to get out of those guys, boy, you, you know, you'll take Pavel Buchnevich every day of the year. And he's been one of the guys who's just been really I think, instrumental in this team's success. And it doesn't, he hasn't, you know, he, he may not have, especially since we don't talk to him, since we have very little access to him that we haven't really got to explore or hear the, the uh, opinions of Pavel Buchnevich, but, um, you know, and his goals may not be as spectacular as Kairos, but he's just been an instrumental. And plus what he does defensively uh, has been great for this team. It does bring up a topic, especially as they go back to New York with all that's going on in the world, JT, and um, the NHL is uh, acknowledging, uh, you know, some concern about uh, the Russian players and what might be happening, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, threats received uh, one way or another, but also just uh, I'm starting to wonder about the uncertainty for these guys. I don't know where they have their money. Uh, but uh, you know, this is not a small matter for the, the Russian players, a very big Russian population in the NHL, some very highly prominent players. This team in particular, 
uh, heavily relying on Russian players this season. And JT, what's the, is there, is there a sense around the team? Is there any, uh, you don't get to interact with the guys, but uh, what's your sense with the league and, and what's happening with Russian players right now? Well, I, uh, you know, the league has said it has taken steps, uh, uh, you know, issued that statement the other day in terms of uh, uh, the security and said some local uh, uh, police departments have, have stepped up. I don't, I don't sense anything different uh, with the blues in terms of uh, security or, or, or anything like that. The, uh, uh, again, we, we uh, you know, it's not like we have, hardly any informal contact with them. You know, the, that came in the days of uh, locker room access. Now, at least we've taken a step forward here and we are doing face-to-face uh, interviews again. That, that started for the Blues. The Blues are one of the last teams to do that, but uh, our return to that, and then that started with the Chicago game. But uh, uh, yeah, as far as the, the money or anything like uh, what they're doing with their money or anything like that, I have, uh, I have no idea, but uh yeah, it seems to be uh, it seems to be business as usual for the Blues. You know, I asked uh, Doug Armstrong about that the other day, and he he didn't want any part of it, so uh, uh, of talking about it. So uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's just business as usual for these guys. Yeah, you wonder you know what this means going forward. How do Russian players in the draft next summer? Um, Russian players that the Blues have drafted that are elsewhere in hockey right now. Uh, what's the situation with them coming over, not coming over? Uh, you know, that's the kind of what's the situation. I think the, the kind of the, you know, the sticking point, but one of the things right now is what does it mean? You know, you know, will Russian players want to go back to Russia if they're uncomfortable here? Will they not want to go back to Russia because of Russia's status right now? You know, how does that affect uh, all sorts of things? So it, it's going to have its tentacles into a great many uh, matters, but uh, it's uh, it's early, and um, we'll see how this plays out. All right, let's get to an, uh, an unhappy top. Well, not unhappy, but just sort of like a, a reality of it. Uh, Vili Husso was was human against mm-hmm. the the Rangers, and uh, actually let in a bad goal, failed to s- secure the post on a play that he has to have, and then he got caught going for a swim, and couldn't get back out of the couldn't get out of the water and get back up on the beach because he got he got. Uh, uh, a bit of a bit of entanglement when he got out there, but you know, not certainly not a horrible game, but you know the, um, but not a not not a, a stellar game either. JT and with uh, Jordan Bennington coming off of two good performances and with back to backs providing an opportunity for both guys to play this weekend, uh, we could start seeing a little shift in the goaltending dynamic. Yeah, yeah, we certainly could. Apparently, there's only so much magic in the the Blues <laughs> goaltending bid. Ben, and if you spread some of it over to Bennington, I guess you have to take it away from uh, Huso. You know that that first goal too. He lets a kind of a fat rebound there out front, and uh, so really, maybe three of the four goals you're like, you know, kind of rolling your rolling your eyes a, a little bit. But the, the post one was was kind of the the uh, really bad one. But this is not you know he has leveled off. This is uh, uh, this is four games in a row where he's given up. Uh, uh, three or more goals. And so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens here. Is it, is it a case, you know, he's never had this workload. He's still seeing new arenas. Now he's played some, you know, he's played some, uh, some pretty good teams. I mean, he was in the net against Toronto and they are a high scoring team. 
but uh, uh, obviously they'll they'll you would think they'd split the uh, uh, the the duties this weekend with the back to back, but uh, uh, you know this is uh, they're basically once we get to uh, uh, Saturday uh, on Long Island, this will be the uh, <clears throat> uh, the busy part of the schedule. They'll be playing basically every other day, so they'll need two guys. But yeah, maybe it'll switch back to uh, maybe it'll switch back to Bennington. I think we may be in a window right now where they're going to go back and forth. They've been back and forth and over the last what, four games. And we may see that going uh, a little bit longer here uh, until Bennington has <clears throat> effectively claimed that spot. But um, I think it's right now, it, it, you know, you always, you know, they got two goalies. It, it may be 50, 50 here for a week or so uh, until either Bennington provides further proof by a good game against a good team that he's there or Huso, you know, is one or two away from being, okay, you're, you're back to the Ville Huso of old, but I think we're, we're in a transitional period now and it is Bennington's chance if, if he, you know, to be the number one again, to be definitively the number one um, if things progress here. Yeah. And obviously JT, what's going to help him if he can uh, build on, handling admittedly easy assignments and, and handle tougher assignments. Uh, he is an aggressive goaltender. Uh, he can help his defenseman with his ability to, uh, to, uh, to, to be an extra D man at times in the, in the back end. Um, that has value, you know, for a team that uh, could, needs to uh, continue to improve its play in its own, in, in its own zone. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it sure can. <laughs> still kind of makes me nervous sometimes uh, behind the net lingering behind the net but yeah yeah Bennington is a is 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 a very active goalie I I think uh the team uh wants and needs him to to get back to normal so uh uh he, he just seems so calm in in the net these last two games and I don't know where that's come from it's just all of a sudden light, light switch on but uh I think with each game you know with each game he'll uh uh, uh, the hope is that he, he builds up some confidence. He's, he talks himself about getting the resiliency uh, back. When uh, uh, we get one of his snarky answers, then I think for me, uh, then we'll know he's all the way back, that he's got a swagger back. So, but, and he's not there yet. <laughs> no, it's been a snark-free uh, Jordan Bennington of late. I mean, he, and he's had the chances. I mean, it's not as though we're not throwing him straight lines to see if he – responds and he doesn't and and i wonder if that you know started when he was up for the olympic team and he thought i, I just i got to be a little more straight laced if i'm going to do this if i'm going to make the olympic team uh, i think that was when he started dialing things back and also if you're not doing well you can't be quite as uh, uh flamboyant uh as he was before but you know and we talked about this before but you know Huso is like peron he's a ufa and what he does in the rest of the season really determines what's going to happen in his life and the blues life because if you know if, if he plays a lot and plays well and he goes somewhere else then the blues got to find another backup goalie or they got to think is is uh joel hofer ready or colton ellis ready or is charlie lindgren worth the chance um so uh, this is again another situation that has implications going forward uh, more so than a lot of other guys yeah and, and jt again uh, there's uh, there's every motivation for uh, well Every, uh, you know, for, from Doug Armstrong's view, every motivation for him to pull for Bennington to, to emerge now. He's paying him. He's committed to him. 
he wouldn't mind to see Huso's value, uh, you know, maybe level off his market value because it's certainly been climbing as he played. He would rather have Bennington go in as the, the goaltender in the playoffs, for instance. The, the experience would be helpful for the group. If he's playing well, having a, an experienced goaltender would make a big difference. Um, not that he can bury Villy, because to Tom's point, there's going to be so many games. Both guys are going to have to play. But uh, if Jordan starts, you know, gets a swagger back, takes tough assignments, all of those things, it, it just kind of it takes a little bit of that pressure off of, uh, you know, of other teams looking at, at Huso as uh, – as a target for the next year. Yeah. There, there are 6 million reasons a year why you <laughs> want Bennington to, uh, to succeed. Hey, there's, there's also Will Cranley uh, who, who just signed, <laughs> but uh, no. Uh, yeah. No, you're exactly right, Jeff. And uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of goalies out there. I think we talked about this maybe last week at the net front in terms of uh, uh you know, I don't know what happened to all the uh, good goalies. I mean, scoring's up. I, I was uh, uh, curious, did some research. Shesterkin, you know, was the 12th goalie that the Blues had never played. So there, there's like all these, and he's relatively new to the league, all these new goalies, it seems like, coming into the league. So, uh, uh, yeah, there's there's uh, there's a lot of reasons for Bennington to succeed. And and and, and uh, uh, so even if with him tailing off here a little bit. I mean, he, he still, he still could get a lot of interest in, in, in the market. That's, that's for sure. I'm always wondering, it's like, like NFL place kickers where there's 32 jobs. And you would think that in this world, there would be 32 good place kickers who you could send out at any time and they would make a field goal or an extra point. And you would think in the world, there would be 32 goalies out there and each team could have a really good goalie. But apparently that's not the number. Apparently the number is less than 32 because there are some teams in the league that don't have good goalies and sometimes goalies are hard to find. So it's amazing that there is an occupation in which there are, what, you know, 15, 20 guys that do it really, really good. uh, And there's even less to do it really, really good consistently. You would just think, I mean, there's, you know, billions of people in the world that there would be 32 of them, but I guess there's not. A hard job. It's a hard job, JT. And let's and it segues into our uh, discussion about the weekend to come. Uh, first up, the Blues go to play the Islanders, and who just had the unfortunate task of starting the season with like 13 road games, many of them in the metropolitan area, so they didn't have that much road work for a 13-game road trip to open the season while their arena was being finished. But still, it made it made for a challenging year, and and really, it's just you know combination of that, uh, some injuries. Uh, the aging process, uh, you know, investing in guys that are older. Uh, the Islanders have uh, good goaltending with Sorokin and uh, Verlarmov, but uh, but not a lot of offense. Uh, it'll be an interesting game for the Blues to go into against the Trots coach team, where you can expect the opposite of what they faced against the uh, the Rangers. Yeah, and uh, the the Islanders, even though they're struggling this year, they're still playing good defense. So yeah, it'll 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 be a a different animal. I'm looking forward to seeing that stadium. Chris Zimmerman, the Blues uh, business president, so to speak, he's he's on this uh, trip. He 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 really likes to to see uh, the new stadiums. He he was in uh, Seattle, of course, and took a tour of that uh, uh, stadium. But uh, yeah, no no guarantees. I mean, we we saw last night uh, what Buffalo beat uh, uh, Toronto. I think the Kraken beat uh, beat Nashville. So. Uh, you'd like to, you'd still, 
Uh, third period notwithstanding last night, you'd like to to, to uh, knock off the Islanders in, in New Jersey and come back three and one, and you still feel pretty good uh, about yourself. I'm, I'm sure the Blues want to make amends for the uh, the seven to four uh, game to uh, uh, to New Jersey, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't I wouldn't expect the Islanders to be, to be a pushover. That that's for sure. Now, I think the Blues historically haven't had great success against Barry Trotz coached teams, uh, obviously Nashville for, for all those years. But um, yeah, you know, um, great build or interesting buildings on this trip. Madison Square Garden, the new building out by Belmont Park, and then the cavernous Prudential Center in New Jersey, which is seems to always be deserted. Uh, you know, where they have room for 20 some odd thousand and there's like, you know, 8,000 people there or something, or it seems that way. Maybe it's more, but it just always seems like that place is just empty uh, every time I've been there. So uh, uh, always fun to be in, uh, in New York. And you look at the, uh, and, you, and you look at the, the devil's game and the blue saw that this team can, can score um, Jack Hughes. It took a while, but here he is playing like a, a number one pick. The whole lose for Hughes thing. Um, it, it took a while to be uh, for the real for that uh, promise to be realized. He's playing well. They get Dougie Hamilton back after a, from a broken jaw. He started to to get back engaged on offense. They've got a lot of skill with you know he's here. Brat's having a big year. Um, this team can, can this team can score, and the, the Blues know that. So, it's, but to Tom's earlier point, JT, um, boy that team's had nothing but bad luck and goal and uh, forced to uh, make heavy use uh, of one of the stand-ins that the, that the blues had to roll through uh, during their, uh, during their uh, dark COVID period. Uh, nothing against the guy. He seemed like a great guy and uh, he did get the blues a point against Anaheim, but uh, they lost to John Gillies. The blues <laughs> lost to John, John Gillies. So, yeah, they, 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 the Devils do. They have some quickness. Uh, they're not a bad rush team, uh, but uh, they're, they're going to give you some candy. They're going to give you some goals and some opportunities. And uh, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure Craig Berube hopes this that that the Sunday matinee isn't one of those uh, overpass games that, that they just you know North. That should be Craig Berube's uh, middle name, Craig North Berube, because he yeah. just drives them nuts when he. He sees the uh, the fancy stuff. Yeah, you would think it would be easier for the team to keep track of that. Head north, or, you know, even if it's not north geographically, there's like just go toward, aim for the goal, go in that direction. Um, yeah, New Jersey's had to use five goalies this year. That's never never a good uh, situation when you have to do that. And Gillies has ended up playing um, more than a lot of those guys that have passed through. He's become kind of a regular there. Uh, credit the Blues with resuscitating his career. He was uh, out of a job, and uh, the Blues' desperation uh, led to him finding gainful NHL employment. Maybe, maybe the Blues actually should get some future considerations. Yeah, since he's, he's being used. Uh, he's being used for so much. Two so goals look at the, on Sunday would be good. You know? <laughs> there you go. Well, let's look at the, the quickly take a look at the big picture of around what's happening. And it's an interesting time. The Blues hitting stride against lesser competition, the game against the Rangers, uh, notwithstanding, they've, they've been in a better place, healthier, getting the second goaltender back, getting Prawn back among the living offensively. Um, you, you like what you see. They could use another D-man, maybe pick up Sedano Chara. Now, I'll throw this before we get to the another topic here real quick. 
hey, you know, there's a lot of respect there. If Z wants to play for a winner, I mean, maybe Florida would be a preferred destination. They have a chance to win the cup. Uh, the, the big man could still play on that third pairing. And, you know, yeah. he's, he has, yeah. he makes no money at all. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think Lou Lamor Riello would stand in the way of him going to play for a winner. He could get, as long as he gets an asset back and there's a, you talk about making the cap work. Well, he'll make your cap work because he plays for free. Especially <laughs> for, for short term, just for a playoff push. It, it, it does make a, a, a lot of sense. And, uh, I kind of get the sense, you know, Armstrong's, he's kind of going back on forth, uh, back and forth on this. Should, should I bring in some guy? Should I stand Pat? And, you know, if you're like prisoner of the moment thing, you'd say last night, yeah, you, you need a little bit more, you need a little bit more uh, 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 defense. It was an intense game. And, and, and there were times when, when uh, it seemed like it was moving our, our good friend, Jake Wallman, it's times last night where it seemed like it was moving a little fast. For him, same with Dakota Joshua, who got a chance over over your guy Clem Costin last night in the in the few very few shifts uh, that he played. So uh, you know, Bill Armstrong used to have a uh, a saying that every ten games uh, he may still have that saying. Uh, <laughs> every ten games, the league gets better, and we're, you know, at least with the Rangers, you could really see the intensity uh, uh, pick up. And, and so it's something that to kind of keep in mind as we go forward. And finally, all the speculation, all that we're getting close. Now we're getting close to the, to the trade deadline, less than uh, three weeks away. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know, when people talked about Char at the start of the year, my thought was there's no way he's going to a Western conference team. He just, the last thing he wants to do is all that travel that comes with the West. Now for, you know, for the last month and a half of the season, eh, okay, you can probably live with it. I mean, there's only, there's a couple of West Coast swings uh, that, would, that would keep him away, but he, you know, he can probably put up with that. I think, you know, because Chikrin always comes up, but I think one of the keys with Blues is they want somebody who's not going to have term. They want somebody who is going to be as easy to get in and get out, but it's going to help <laughs> the team as possible. And I, I Char is a guy. It fits that. It's certainly easier to fit under the cap than than Giordano or someone like that. All right, quickly, let's look around the, the rest of the conference. It's been interesting. Uh, the Minnesota Wild, the team that I was – has played at a high level, but I was always skeptical of the, the makeup of the team because they just didn't have anybody down the middle. You know, uh, Hartman and uh, Erickson Eck are, are solid players, but these aren't classical or classic top six type guys to put in the middle to go with the, the thrill and – Fiala and Zuccarello, they've got some skill, but not, not very good down the middle. And their goaltending hasn't been good lately either. They've hit a rough patch. Nashville's kind of caught in that situation where um, do they add, do they subtract? Can they sign Forsberg? Can they extend him? Can they keep Philip Forsberg? And meanwhile, they're not playing great, uh, leaning hard on their one goaltender. And then we got Vegas, you know, Mark Stone injured, uh, Pacioretty injured. They got Jack Eichel playing. Alec Martinez is still out. Uh, Leonard has been in and out. Uh, now he's back in. But they're all of a sudden, those teams are like fighting for playoff spots versus, you know, we went back a few weeks ago and they were the teams you're talking about being in phenomenal shape. Uh, things can, JT, things can turn quickly. And, uh, you know, if five teams from the Central get in and Dallas pushes and Winnipeg pushes, could get interesting. Yeah, it really could. And, you know, there's still – there's still uh, a third of the season. Everybody's got, you know, uh, uh, 25, 27 games uh, uh, left. So you can still make a push. 
Things can still change. It's, it's just weird from afar. And I don't, I, I, I'd be a liar if I said I knew all the details of Vegas. They just, for some of the reasons, I guess, that you just pointed out, Jeff, they, they just haven't seen to, you keep waiting for them to take off and go on that run. And it just doesn't seem to happen. Dallas keeps, they kind of keep hanging in there. You, you, in your heart of hearts, you think they, well, they don't have enough offense, but they, they, they still have very good goaltending. And uh, uh, again, all this may be academic with Colorado, but the thing about Colorado, they've had great regular seasons before and they've never made it out of the second round. Some of those years they haven't made it out of the first round. So uh, uh, the West is, uh, is, uh, is fascinating, no doubt. And, and Calgary, they have better defense. They have better goaltending this year. So I, I think they, they may be, they may be much more legit than they've been in the past. Somebody recently said, you know what, what Vegas could really use is Mark Stone. Um, if only they could acquire <laughs> someone like him. I mean, you know, people talk about, you know, teams being, you know, using long-term injured reserve to manipulate the cap and Vegas is trying to do that, but they're showing the risk of what happens when you do that is you, you take good guys and you put them on LTR and they're not playing. And all of a sudden, your playoff spot isn't quite as guaranteed as you thought it was uh, a little while ago. So, um, you know, as long as they get in, but, you know, they got to get in uh, for this all to, to work out. Yeah, I mean, while they're playing Chandler Stevenson on the wing and the ghost of, of Jenny uh, Donoff with uh, Eichel, and Eichel's like, I, I could have done this in Buffalo. You know, I mean, this is, <laughs> this is awful, you know, because Pacioretty hurt his ankle again or whatever he hurt. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we're getting to that last third. Um, we know the Blues are in pretty good shape, work to do. A lot of, lot of shuffling in the conference, trade deadline ahead. So we'll have all of that covered on stltoday.com, the post-dispatch, and in the net front here in the podcast. Check out all of our stuff online. Subscribe digitally. Subscribe to the print product. Support local journalism. Uh, and uh, keep us going. Keep us going talking <laughs> hockey. So, no, no uh, vending today. No, no. Who's your GM of the week? Uh, no, I you have pretty, one? You know, well, no, I, I've been pretty, uh, I haven't, you know, Edmonton's playing better after the coaching change. So uh, I'm going to ease off Holland for the moment. Made a good, good coaching change. So I'm going to ease off Kenny. Um, so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going out on a good note here. Positive <laughs> note, positive vibe here. So for, uh, for Jim Thomas, for Tom Timmerman, I'm Jeff Gordon. Until next time, see ya.